You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I'm your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you where we're going to talk about Voltron, the legendary defender. If you remember way back when we covered Voltron in the very beginning of the podcast, it was one of our first episodes. I think it might have been episode 12, but you can check that out on the website. You can go back and find that episode. But when we did that episode, only two seasons of the show were out. By that point, I knew that it was something special, that it was a reboot that really modernized the series while keeping true to what made the series great in the first place, so I wanted to talk about it. Well, in 2019, we recorded an episode because the series had just ended at the end of 2018 about Voltron Legendary Defender as a whole. Well, as I've said many times, we got sidetracked with other episodes we wanted to put out first, and the Voltron episode just kept getting pushed back further and further and further. And now we're finally in a place where we can release that episode for you so you can hear our thoughts and commentary on Voltron. So sorry that it's taken so long, but here it is. I know in a previous episode I had mentioned that I would talk about Fan Expo Chicago. Our release order got a little jumbled again, so I'll just talk about it here. I had a wonderful time at Fan Expo Chicago. It's a con that is still small enough where it feels like you can do just about everything. It's not a mega con like a Dragon Con. It's not even a C2E2, but they pulled together a very good group of guests. Their dealer's room had a lot of variety and a lot of really cool stuff that I was able to get. I was able to get some very cool merch from the dealer's room. I appreciated that. And I even won something just for sitting in the right chair and was able to get a special signing from Breck Bassinger and the other stars of Stargirl where uh, I have a poster that only a few people at the con got with all of their signatures on it, but I was actually able to go through a little line where they were all lined up and talk with each of them as I went through, and that was an amazing experience, too. So, definitely had a way better experience at Fan Expo than I did when it was Wizard World. I will definitely be going back again, probably next year. I mean, it depends on who the guests are, but they got enough guests this year that made me think that if they are anywhere similar next year, that they're definitely going to pull in at least some people that I'd be interested in meeting. So I will go to that. So yeah, definitely recommend it. If there's a fan expo in your area, they do them all over the country. Check that out. You can go to Google and Google fan expo and find out if they do one near where you live. But definitely recommend that if you have a fan expo near you, that you go. And hopefully next year, I've got some great news about myself and Fan Expo. 
But yeah, we'll just wait until that comes before I say anything more on that. But yeah, Beth and I are still watching stuff. We finished Umbrella Academy. We finished Ms. Marvel. We're going to tackle Strange New Worlds next. I'm also going back to showing her various Gundams from the past. We're on Victory Gundam now, which probably most people in the U.S. haven't seen, but it is one of the Gundams in the main Gundam timeline, if that means anything to you. We're almost completely, uh, she's almost completely seen everything in the main Gundam timeline. Then we're going to do all the various alternate timeline Gundams there are out there. She's already seen G Gundam and Gundam Wing, but that's it as far as the alternate Gundam. So we've still got X, Turn A, C, Double O, all of those. So we still got a lot of stuff to watch, but yeah, that's where, that's where we're watching right now. And of course, we're watching the Orville as it comes out weekly. Very impressed with this season, and we will, of course, do an episode of the 42 cast devoted to it. But yeah, that's enough talking about this. Now let's join our podcast already in progress. Let's meet our cast for this week. And first up, it's a voice that you haven't heard in a while. He is our resident Thor expert. Um, he absolutely loves Iron Fist, just maybe not the Netflix version. And that is my buddy, Eric. How are you doing, Eric? I'm doing well, and yourself? I am doing well also. Um, was the last time you were on the Iron Fist episode? Uh, trying to think. Uh, I was on, yeah, like I've only done two episodes so far. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah you did the first Voltron one and then, then Iron Fist. Okay, yeah, so that's been, um, that's been like a year and a half, two years. So, uh, what's been going on for you, Eric? Uh, not much, just uh, living life, trying to get into uh, some kind of programming gig, but it's not going too well for me. Uh, my little one's older. She's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, how old is she now? Oh, okay. So yeah, she was probably just born the last time we did an episode together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very cool. Um... So yeah, what are you? Uh, so what are you doing um, when you're not trying to get into a programming gig? <laughs> uh, well, I've I, I have set up a uh, a gaming blog that uh, I've been doing just like reviews, a couple videos here and there. You know, just kind of hobby stuff, not taking it too seriously. Mm-hmm. And I have started writing reviews for Marvel movies of all things because I feel strongly about them. Right. <laughs> yeah, and you're going in reverse order too. Uh, yes. Uh, really watching Captain Marvel is what sparked that for me. And since that was the one most recent to my memory, I started there and I figured, well, if I'm starting here, I'll just work my way back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I've read your Avengers uh, Infinity War and your Ant-Man and the Wasp um, reviews that you've done. Well, uh, hopefully they weren't too painful. No. <laughs> No, no, it's just made me uh, think that I should get back to because I was reviewing the MCU at one point. This was years ago, and I only got as far as Iron Man 2. I started from the beginning, um, and I was thinking about how I should really get back to doing that. But uh, I can understand why you stopped with that. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that wasn't the reason why. But yeah, once you once you get that far back in yours, then I'll start sharing mine with you so that we could sort of compare notes. On uh, on what my reviews, you know, uh, how they were. So, yeah. But uh, no, that's cool. It's cool that you're uh, you're doing those reviews, and yeah, I, um, people should check those out if they're interested in uh, you know the MCU and and what your thoughts on them might be. 
Um, but anything else going on for you? Uh, no, not really. Okay. <laughs> well, it's good to have you back on, Eric. Glad to be back. All right. And next up, sitting right next to me, she is the um, sorceress of sewing. She is the, <laughs> the queen of cosplay, and that is my lady wife, Beth. Hello. How are you doing, Beth? Just shaking my head whenever you say that intro. <laughs> it's true, though. <laughs> I think I'll just be like, I'm just the mouse in the basement. Come on. <laughs> so, uh, so how are you doing, hon? I'm okay, I guess. I'm just trying to keep my head above water with uh, cosplay stuff. Mm. You know, it is what it is. So, anything in particular keeping you busy right now? Uh, apparently this is the year for stepping out of the cosplay closet, evidently. Um, I'm starting to do crossplay, and I've, I've never even considered doing it before. Um, I think on the last uh, podcast I mentioned I was doing Davros from Doctor Who, and now for Dragon Con, I will be going as Hans from Frozen. So, <laughs> I, I don't know what is, like, switched off in my brain or misfired, but now apparently that's a thing that I do and I don't know what's wrong with me. Please help. No. Well, not only are you doing male characters, they're villains also, so... Oh, God. I don't know what that's saying about you, but it's saying something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, well, she's going the opposite of what she normally does, but she's flipping on both axes. Both <laughs> alignment. Yeah, you go from the princess of the moon to, like, the the dark sinister dudes it's like uh, yeah well, something fair Hans wasn't there. really dark he was just a jerk yeah you got the jerk and you got the guy who wants to like destroy the universe so you know yeah 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 both ends yeah. <laughs> both both evil alignments right there we're also going to do the star trek family yep so we are all going to dress in original series Star Trek uniforms at Dragon Con. Yeah. I'm going for the beehive hairdo and everything. It's going to be ridiculous. Yeah. So that's going to be fun. You're not cross-playing that one. No. I'm, no. <laughs> no. Uh, just make sure that you're not bribing Starfleet to get your children in, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I've heard rumors about Crusher. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. And the sad thing is those memes are going to just go on so long that it's going to stop being funny. The Crusher one was funny, but I'm already seeing like people like trying to like fit Jubilee into that thing and you know, that doesn't really work cuz she's an orphan, so it's kind of like um you can say, you know, it's kind of doesn't work, so I'm afraid those memes are going to run out. But. Well, like when the meme got popular and people were posting all the stuff, you know, like Jubilee and all those, I, I'm you know, like, I was thinking that, you know, all of these kids that aren't paying their own way through college or university or whatever you want to call it, their parents are basically bribing the school to let them be there because they're paying for it. But <laughs> I don't know. It was just kind of a weird thing that crossed my mind. Yeah. Well, the best, though, is the people who are finding, like, all the different scenes in Full House where, you know, there is some sort of, like, connection to, like, bribing to get into something or, you know, so, and then posting those as memes because then it's like, ah, Aunt Becky was starting from way back then. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, my, yeah, my wife pointed one out where uh, it, it was uh, Jesse had basically done the, or, like, faked his kid's 
test or whatever to get them into whatever preschool he was trying to mm. to get. Yeah. So, so Beth, do you know what we're talking about, Beth? Not a clue. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. You. So, so you hide under a rock. Um, yes, but <laughs> many, many blankets. So, so Aunt Becky from Full House, the actress, was um, uh, was caught. Uh, she basically bribed the school uh, into getting her kid into college. Okay. So it's this huge scandal. It was her plus other um, actor, actresses, business people. There's like a group of like 50 people who are all like. Um, being prosecuted for doing this, it was like it was like a ring. They had like some sort of like ski- ring going on where they were getting their kids into like Ivy League schools when they didn't have the test scores to. to yeah, I to, think yeah. Becky paid like something like five hundred k to get her kids in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and and, they, and so what they did is the school said that they were on the rowing team, but then they never showed up for. You know, so that's how they were able to get them in without having the test score. Because you know, jocks can get in if yeah. they have certain skills or whatever. But they weren't—they weren't on the rowing team. They just said they were. <laughs> but you know, like that kind of raises another question, though. Like, why is it unethical for these parents to be doing this? But this—but the school doesn't catch any flack for accepting the bribes. Yeah, that's true. You know, issuing the bribe is bad enough, but accepting it. You know, you could argue that that's way worse. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, yeah, they they should be telling the parents, no, <laughs> you know, if we're you're not, not going to do that. Smart enough doesn't matter if you're rich enough. Well, but then that raises the whole thing of jocks getting in, but we're not going to get into that because that's another issue of the school lowers their standards to get the athletes in. You know, and is that ethical? But <laughs> that's. That's a whole other thing. Uh, right, but anyway. Having flashbacks <laughs> to high school. Let's move on! <laughs> but yes, and this has been your 10 minutes of meme education. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, this is not going to be our five-minute controversy. So, <laughs> But that's a segue into actually getting into our five-minute controversy for this week. So um, for those who don't know, five-minute controversy is just a way for us to talk about something before we talk about the topic so we can kind of loosen up and also we'll give you a little insight into, you know, our thoughts on something geek-related that isn't what our topic's going to be. So um, this week I wanted to talk about... Um, the future of Fox uh, at the Fox properties at the MCU, specifically the Marvel uh, Fox properties uh, in the MCU, uh, because as of the time of this recording, we are three days away from that becoming final, and um, Disney will acquire uh, 21st Century Fox. So um, I don't know how much uh, accuracy is in this, but I read, or I think I read somewhere that once. Disney acquires Fox, they actually control something like 60% of all entertainment possible. Mm. I do know they'll have 40% of the film industry. It's not more than half, but it's like 40-something percent of the film industry will be owned by Disney. But as far as all entertainment, I, I don't know what that figure is. But yeah, and so a lot of people are already worried about it just because of the fact that that, that sounds almost like a monopoly. They're not quite a monopoly, you know, but um, they will have a huge amount of the film industry. Um, as long as they stay off Broadway and Park Place, I'm cool with it. <laughs> Give me back my thimble! <laughs> All right, as we go insane over here. Um, (laughs) So what I wanted to ask uh, the two of you is, 
what is the one thing? Like, what if you pie in the sky? Now that the Fantastic Four and everything that comes under the Fantastic Four, so that's not just them. That also means like the Silver Surfer and any other characters strongly associated with the Fantastic Four. As Namor. They, um, <laughs> Namor is a whole separate issue because they Marvel made a deal with Universal. Um, that was for Namor. That was separate from the deal with the Fantastic Four. But that's, but. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, nobody nobody at Marvel has um, has said specifically where the Namor rights stand right now. What most people think is that when Universal gave the Hulk rights back, they probably also gave the Namor rights back, but that they held the distribution rights like they did with the Hulk, and that's why Disney doesn't want to make a standalone Hulk movie is because they don't want to have to pay Universal to distribute it because Disney's like, hey, we distribute our own movies. And so that's probably why we're not going to get a Namor movie. Now, does that mean that Namor could show up in somebody else's movie? Yes. Um, so that's that's the thing. But if Universal held on to the full film rights, then we, don't, we can't have Namor at all. And that's the thing we don't know right now. Um, the problem with the Universal rights is you would think, well, hey, won't, won't those elapse at some point? But apparently, because this is back before Marvel had any big budget movies when they made this deal with Universal, they tied the film rights in with the park rights that Universal has to show Marvel characters in their theme parks. So as long as Universal is showing Marvel characters in their theme parks per that agreement, they get to keep the, the distribution rights slash film rights in perpetuity. There is no, like, it elapses clause. So that's the issue with Universal. Um, you know, whereas Sony has the Spider-Man rights, has to keep making Spider-Man movies to be able to keep those. Whether it sucks or not. <laughs> right. But now that, they, now that they've partnered with the MCU, at least they're, you know, integrated even if they still they still own Spider-Man's films, but they're making them with Marvel, like sort of shaking hands on it. So, um, so they've become a lot better. But uh, anyway, <laughs> but now they're just creating a whole bunch of low-budget, schlocky, like spin-off Spider-Man character films, like Venom and Morbius is coming next year. You know. So anyway, that I don't like. But hey, 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 we're getting, we're getting too far away. What is the one thing, what's, what's the big pie-in-the-sky thing that you would want from the Fantastic Four and the X-Men going back to Marvel? So, um, Eric, let's start with you. Well, um, I had a while to think about this, and I went back and forth on a couple topics of it. Mm -hmm. But I think, ultimately, I would like the Fantastic Four to join the MCU, and I would like to keep the X-Men and mutants in general away from it. Okay. And why is that? Well, uh, well, the Fantastic Four need to be there. I, I mean, you know, they're Marvel's first family, and uh, they need a decent movie made, and Doctor Doom needs to be represented properly. And I think it's right for them to be in the, the MCU. Mm -hmm. uh, like, especially coming into the second phase, or not the second phase, but the... You know, like once Affinity War's over, coming up, you know, they, they can branch out into new stories and use some of those Fantastic Four characters, and it'll be awesome. Yeah, I've long yeah. said since they're going into Phase Four, it should be Phase Fantastic Four. <laughs> <laughs> but my problem with X Men and Mutants 
mm-hmm. is you already have two established characters in the MCU that are mutants, but they've explained that away. You know, are, uh, and I'm talking about uh, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, mm-hmm. which, you know, are Magneto's children. They are mutants, but there's something else in the MCU because mutants don't exist. Right, because, well, even the like comics. Enhanced or even the comics have retconned them as inhumans. Like, right now in Marvel Comics, they're saying they're inhumans, and they're not Magneto's children. Well, that's just a crying shame. <laughs> right. Well, that's because uh... they've been trying to devalue the Fox properties for so long. It's why Marvel canceled the Fantastic Four comic, and they've been trying to explain away, like, most mutants as inhumans. It... Like, they're not really mutants. They were inhumans all along and just didn't know it. So, it, it, And, uh, you know, like, <laughs> Marvel versus Capcom Infinite, with, which came out a couple years ago, mm. ha- had no X-Men or Fantastic Four characters in it, mm. which, was, which was terrible because, you know... Wolverine's been a part of that series since before it began. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they may have put some DLC characters in it for mutants. I don't know. Once I heard no mutants, like I just dropped the game. I didn't want anything to do with it. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I think adding the X-Men and the mutants into everything would be kind of a sticky situation unless they tried to build the X-Men up separately. And once they've been established, then cross it over. Mm-hmm. Like maybe Onslaught's the next huge villain that everybody needs to get involved with. Mm-hmm. But until they find out some way to mesh that uh, properly without making it messy or icky, like, you know, demutinizing witch and quicksilver i would just prefer they stayed away hmm. no i can get that i mean yeah i've i i mean something i've said since day one although i'm not sure they're going to go this route is that if they ever did get the x-men back marvel you know the, into the mcu that they'd almost have to reboot it from the ground up uh so that mutants would always have been there although i guess the alternative is you could say mutants are just now starting to emerge after avengers endgame but then you'd have to start with very few mutant characters and have it like be like ground zero with just like the the very early X-Men or something like that. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I mean, we'll see how they go with it. I I suspect they're going to try to integrate the, the mutants into the MCU just because of how popular they are. Uh, uh, but we'll, but maybe not. Maybe they'll just say like it's an alternate Earth or whatever, and any movies with X Men, you know, don't take place on the same Earth as the uh, as the MCU. Right, and like I and like the the, the thing that kind of makes me scared about this is I'm thinking that they're going to want to take uh, McAvoy's X Men and try to and try to smush them into the MCU. Because you know those because those movies are actually popular for some reason. <laughs> yeah. I, well, like yeah. I have issue with First Class, but I guess the other two weren't that bad. Right. And, and like those are popular. Like they they probably have contracts saying that they are these characters for however long. And you know, throwing in new actors for for all the roles is going to feel kind of off, and people are going to wonder and. I, it like until they find a way to do it properly, uh, just just no. Yeah, I I strongly suspect that Disney will want to not 
carry over the Fox version. And so I don't think they're going to do the McAvoy ones, but but yeah, I mean, I don't know that. I mean, maybe they will, but uh, I think that they'll want to draw a line in the sand and say, this is it. You know, Dark Phoenix is the last movie with the McAvoy version, because that's already made. And so they're going to want the money from that, but then they're going to start over again. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Beth, what about you? What would you most like to see? I want to see Dark Phoenix done right. <laughs> well, to be fair, we haven't seen the, the movie they're doing that's coming out this summer. But everything I've seen from the previews, it, it's... And, and even from the previous movie, everything says... Dark Phoenix is part of who Jean Grey is. It's an alternate personality that they've suppressed from her childhood. No! It's a separate entity from space! <laughs> That's who Phoenix is! You gotta go into space, and you gotta shake hands with Phoenix and say, Hi, please come into my body. We'll be awesome together. <laughs> yeah, the Phoenix Force is its own thing. Right. You know, it, it, it's one of the most powerful primal forces in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, and you gotta go into space to make this happen. You can't just have it just spring out from one movie. It takes several movies of build-up for a Phoenix Saga to happen. And that's what X-Men really needs, is, is a build-up of several movies that leads up to a Phoenix that's not just ingrained into Jean Grey. Unless they kill Cyclops off-screen in the first five minutes, then it gets a pass. <laughs> Jeez, then you're not getting the real Phoenix saga, Beth. Uh, <laughs> but, oh, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, I've been really disappointed, you know. I mean, it does look like this one might be better than Last Stand, which isn't a very high bar to, uh, to, to go for, but I don't think, I mean, like you said, there's been no build-up, it doesn't look like they're gonna do anything with the Shi'ar, it looks like it's just going to be completely earthbound, and Phoenix is gonna be completely earthbound, and that takes, like, so much out of the Phoenix Saga, which really needs to be a cosmic arc. And, and, you know, I mean, funny enough, though, one of the things that I'm really excited about isn't my one thing about the Fox properties coming to the MCU, is that it completes Marvel's cosmic universe because they're going to get the Shi'ar Empire back with the uh, with the X-Men and they're going to get characters like the Silver Server and Galactus back with the Fantastic Four and so the MCU's kind of had to like you know dance around like some of like you know they've they've made you know you know, they've had to, like, increase the prominence of the Nova Corps, and they've had to do, like, all sorts of weird things because they don't have all the aspects of the, the universe. But now with those characters coming back, they could do Star Jammers. There's all sorts of things that they can do now. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with the cosmic stuff that they're getting back. Um, for me, my number one thing, the thing I want more than anything from this deal is Doctor Doom. I knew you were going to say it. It's, which is I, I had to find something else so I wouldn't steal your I don't want to see Doctor Doom be the villain of every Fantastic Four movie like Fox did. I don't even necessarily think they need Doctor Doom in the first Fantastic Four movie. In fact, I'd rather they didn't. I'd rather not have him be part of their origin like all of the movies have tried to shoehorn him into. Have them have their origin, have them fight some low-level villain or whatever that they feel is appropriate, and then have Doom show up like in the second Fantastic Four movie. But what they can do in the MCU that would be so great is have Doctor Doom survive and show up in everybody's movies. Like, you could have him show up in Black Panther 2 or something, 
and like that would be like the first appearance of Doctor before he's even in a Fantastic Four movie just have him be there and just kind of set him up as here's a character that exists but you don't get the full story of who he is until he shows up in Fantastic Four and even then after he shows up in Fantastic Four you set him up as their like main villain he can still pop up in other people's movies and, you know, to see that he is this sort of overarching villain that can be anywhere in the MCU. You know, don't... I have this idea for you, Nathan. Well, I just want to say one more thing. Don't shy away. Now that they've introduced Doctor Strange, don't shy away from the, the magic part of Doctor Doom either. Say that he's been at Carmartage. You know, and studied with the Ancient One at some point. I know that's different from the comic origin, but since they try to simplify things in the MCU, just say that he trained with the Ancient One so that he's a threat on that level, too. And just give us full-on Doctor Doom, and that could be like a whole phase of the MCU just of, in and of itself is it's the Doctor Doom phase. <laughs> so, With Doobots so, so Tony can get involved. Right. I can steal from Tony and make his Doobots that way. Right. So, uh, alright, but uh, but Eric, so what, what do you want to say? Uh, well, you kind of took it from me. Oh. But uh, I, I was going to say, you know, introduce him as like a mid-villain in the next Doctor Strange movie mm. where, he, where he's competing with Strange for the title of Sorcerer Supreme. Mm. Because he did that in the comics. No, I know he did that in the comics, yeah. No, that would be great. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. I, I, one of my problems is that, you know, the, the two versions of the Fantastic Four that we got from Fox is they tried to do Doom right off the bat. And they try to integrate him into the origin of the Fantastic Four. Doom doesn't need superpowers. That's part of the thing. Doom is smart enough to fight all these guys without any kind of powers. It is just he's that smart. And I want to have that, that Doom. I want to have the Doom that's set up properly and isn't just like some stupid businessman Lex Luthor wannabe like he was in the 2005 Fantastic Four or some stupid punk kid like he was in the in the 2014 I think Fant Fourth Stick movie <laughs> so oh uh, uh, anyway so yes Doctor Doom my number one that's the thing that I want to see out of Fox Doom done right um, so hopefully Feige's on the same page with that. And again, don't just rush Doom out there. If you need a few years to think about how best to deploy him, then take it. You know, I, I would rather you do that and give us an awesome Doom than give us, uh, you know, a lame Doom. And don't kill him off after one movie like you do with most of your villains, Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone who isn't Loki. <laughs> <laughs> or Thanos. <laughs> uh, anyway. I have strong feelings about that's, yeah. a, that's a whole previous podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, all right. So, all right. So, this has been a, a fun uh, five-minute controversy that lasted way more than five minutes. They usually do, but, <laughs> but <laughs> that's okay. They're still shorter than the five questions segments. So, um, all right. So, uh, we're gonna take a, a break uh, for a moment just for a promo from another fine podcast. Hey, Mike, I think I might have the new promo for Earth Station 1 for the spring. Want to hear it? Sure. Celebrating over 12 years of bringing you all things geek, we're the Earth Station 1 podcast. No matter the topic, we have been showing you all sides of geekdom with interviews, reviews, discussions, con reports, and as always, the geek seat. Join Mike and Mike weekly at earthstation1.com or wherever fine podcasts are found. That's Earth Station 1. What, what do you think? Is it okay? That's eh, fine. We'll, we'll do better next time. 
and we're back. And like we talked about at the top of the show, we're going to be talking about Voltron Legendary Defender. And we got together to talk about Voltron um, a while back uh, when there were only two seasons. And we talked about how we felt about the show and how we felt about it in terms of as a reboot and as well as just how much we were enjoying it. Um, Mike Nelson, who was on that episode, um, was going to be here with us uh, to talk about it again, but uh, he had to bow out at the last minute. Um, but that's fine, because I'm sure there's plenty of opinions to go around with the three of us. So, um, so yeah, now the show is wrapped up. Um, we've had eight seasons, although a lot of those were kind of half seasons that kind of frustrated me. <laughs> it's okay. You can say micro season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, but, but in all, all total, we got 76 episodes of Voltron, which is, which is really good. Um, and they were able to tell a complete storyline in that. It wasn't just like it ended abruptly. So, um, I like that as well. Um, so... I guess just to start us off, Beth, what did you think about the series as a whole? I really enjoyed it. Do you care to elaborate on that <laughs> statement? <laughs> I'm just trying to think. Um, I think it was really good storytelling for mm. the most part. Um, the the last season kind of like went into crazy land um, but up till that point I, I thought it was very well done um, I was re- I just continually excited and, and on the edge of my seat like where, I didn't know where it was going to go and at the end I really didn't know where it was going to go <laughs> but uh, yeah the character development the, the story development everything was just it was brilliant mm. all the way through and uh, Eric, what do you think about the show as a whole? Well, uh, I did enjoy it. I like. I thoroughly enjoyed the show. I I love that this came back. It was a thrilling, exciting ride up until the end, and mm. then it just kind of fell apart. <laughs> and like, I understand what they were trying to do, but I kind of got the feeling that they were trying to end it. Mm-hmm. Which I can kind, which I can kind of respect too, because you know some shows just drag on and on and on, and it's just like, geez, stop already. But one of the best things that I liked about this new Voltron series is, uh, you know, we used to have a saying when it came to anime when I was younger that a uh, anime is only as good as its filler episodes. <laughs> so, and Voltron's filler episodes. Well, one, they didn't actually have full episodes. It was more like filler segments of episodes. Mm. But they but they were always engaging, and they were always entertaining. And I didn't find myself getting annoyed at them. I don't and know. I think the Bob episode was pretty much filler. You can't say that was just a segment. That was the whole episode. <laughs> All right, well, there might be one or two. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like that... Uh, game show episode. Yeah, that's the Bob three? episode. You oh, met oh. Bob? The great cosmic being got Bob? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was amusing. Mm. Filler, yes. But, but like, uh, when they got back to Earth, and uh, you find out that the original Voltron series is now a television show yeah. in this series, and then, like, Pidge is using her fame in order to, like, get stuff. You know, like, that was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yep. Many smiles were had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I um, I'm of two minds because while I agree that the ending felt like it came out of left field. I kind of like sometimes when my expectations are subverted. So, um, you know, I mean, just to get into something specific as an example, I thought that Lance and Allura were going to end up together because that seemed to be what they were setting up. But instead, Allura's the one who makes the heroic sacrifice that, you know, series, you know, a lot of times if it's a team series, one character makes the heroic sacrifice to save the universe, you know, and... I thought that was nice. You know, I mean, I would not, I did not expect that to come from Alora. Um, and so it was like a nice, you know, thing to sort of like, oh, yeah, you know, I can see that from the character, but it wasn't where I was expecting them to go based on how things were going in the show. So I kind of liked being surprised, even though it wasn't what I was expecting. Um, uh, re- real talk, Alora is way too good for Lance. <laughs> Just saying. I, I, I know I know a lot of people say that, but since Lance is the best character in the show, I don't agree. But. <gasps> Heresy. <laughs> oh, so, um... He is the sharpshooter. Yes, he is the sharpshooter, yes. I mean, Slav, okay. Maybe Slav is the best character uh, in the show. <laughs> okay, I'm out of this podcast now. I'm leaving. <laughs> Says the you woman know, wearing green socks. Every episode that he was in, and he's talking about all these alternate realities, that started to get annoying. It, yeah. it was like, it was like, really? Come on. You know, it was a funny joke at first, at, and the second time, and the third time. It's getting old. And then that's the plot of the series. Come on. (laughs) Alright, so let's talk about characters for a little bit here. Um, Eric, favorite paladin? Uh, I am going to have to go with Keith. Okay. You know, like, at first, like, I liked Keith. I like his attitude, but, you know, he had it kind of like the... not really an anti-hero but you know like he was like a rebel and like i didn't want to like him right because of that you know like he's the popular character that everybody likes right he's the wolverine right (laughs) but then you know like you get into his whole being half galra and the stuff that he has to put up with because of that and he's really kind of like a reluctant leader Mm -hmm. he steps in the role because he has to but he doesn't want to and then he grows into that uh, position and does well with it, yeah. and and like I really respect that. Yeah, I, I think they made the loner kind of character a lot more nuanced and interesting with Keith than a lot of times that you see in animation. Because a lot of times they are very one note, and it's always like you know, hey, I'm the gruff loner that just shows up when I've got to do something awesome, and then I, you know, I. Like I don't let you know want to be part of a team, but then somehow I'm always there when you need me, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, like like the Wolverine, the Vegeta, yes. the Piccolo. Mm-hmm. Yes. So well, I, I'm I'm I don't like that you said Piccolo, but okay. Uh, <laughs> Piccolo is dad. <laughs> but uh, the uh, but yes, and but, but yeah, like the whole the whole Gara thing. The whole thing of exposing Alora's horrid racism. <laughs> you don't know how often I was like when she's like making eyes at uh, at um, Lotor that I'm like, um, you realize he's half Galra, right? 
just like Keith was, right? Keith, who you completely ostracized as soon as you found out you had a drop of Gara blood in him. You know? <laughs> it's just right. kind of like... <laughs> and, and then at the end, you know, like after everything happens and uh and i'm like they're kind of talking about the epilogue of of Mm -hmm. what everyone does and how keith united the galra but didn't uh ascend to emperorhood or whatever they called it Mm -hmm. you know like like he didn't take the reins but he helped the galra uh coexist with everybody else you know like he brought them together to that congress thing they made right and and you know that was kind of cool no, no, I agree. Yeah, I mean, Keith Keith had a really cool arc, you know, uh, not only the self-discovery, um, but then also, um, you know, realizing that he needed to be the leader of Voltron. Because um, at first, I was, like, really mad when Shiro came back, and it was just kind of like, Keith's out, Shiro's in. <laughs> I was like, but you I... mean, obviously, traitor Shiro? <laughs> yeah, well, we'll, 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 we'll get into the Shiro thing, because that, I think, is one of the mistakes of the show. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Stupid arm. Yeah, but the, I like that they gave Keith a whole arc and brought him into being leader and having him fit into that role and having him actually want it. Um, but, uh, but as a uh, kind of runner-up or... Uh, what's that word? Not runner-up, but uh, uh, honorable mention. Well, well, hold on. Let Beth have a turn. <laughs> There's enough characters to go around. <laughs> you don't get two yet. <laughs> I was stalling so she could think long. Oh, okay. Beth, do you have do you have a character now? Yes. Okay. Who is who's your favorite character? Hunk. Okay. Why Hunk? Um he had a, a very strong place in my heart from the very beginning and uh he he's very caring. Mm-hmm. He always wants to to help everyone get along. And then at the very end it was just like oh, he he really pulled it off with with peace talks and everything. Um you can't make peace on an empty stomach. <laughs> <laughs> did they just hang on that and tell that one line, Beth, that you wanted to, that, that, that Hunk's your favorite because he's like, I'm going to feed everybody and then there'll yes. be peace. Okay. And he comes out with everyone's like native dish and like, here, have some food. You'll feel better. <laughs> in that scene, did you catch uh, Repet Sauls? sitting in the back yes (laughs) and he wanted to learn what that was about he he was always trying to to learn other people's cultures and he he just wanted to learn about other people to help them get along and that was just very endearing to me yeah hunk was very nice he was a very nice character and you could tell i mean he was the one that you know the whole situation kept wearing on because he was such a nice person he didn't like being involved in a war and so, like, even when they're all drifting in space, he's the one that keeps talking about, you know, I'd like to, you know, go to Earth and maybe the life to bond with somebody else. And then, you know, because he's, he's already thinking about the fact that he doesn't want to do this the whole time. It's because he has such a big heart. And, uh, and so, yeah, I really like that. And, you know, the food stuff was... <laughs> It's funny yeah. uh, most of the time, but yeah, it was nice though because I mean it was like a thought, like you know, um, you know, to to eat together. Usually, when you're eating together with someone, you know, you can, you know, it's a way of coming together in peace. It's even something like a boss of mine years ago recommended that if you're having difficulty with someone, like you know, 
offer to have a coffee with them or something, you know, so that that way you guys can sit down and you can talk, you know, stuff like that. So I, I like that. I, I think yeah. that was really And good. his epilogue was he became Iron Chef. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I thought that yeah I thought that eventually I wanted the the whole thing from the mall to, to pay off and more than just having the guy in a cameo I wanted him to actually catch up with hunk and like actually try to bring him back to his restaurant <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, uh, for me it's Lance yeah um, Lance is my favorite character um, I always like characters who know how good they are and, and don't mind telling people. <laughs> and the thing is, because, you know, I mean, they, they put Lance in that comedic relief role, but the thing was, it's not like he didn't have skill, because a lot of times the characters that are in that role are useless. You know, like, you look at a lot of cartoons, um, you know, the, the, the guy who's sort of the comic relief is, like, you know, just complete idiot boob that's just there to, like, you know, you know, trip and fall or, you know, get into... Like, Koran is sort of like yes. that kind of boob. Um, but um, Lance, you know, he actually was a sharpshooter. Yep. He actually could, like, you know, pull off, like, these amazing, you know, shots. So, um, I like that they gave that to him. Um, I do agree that there probably needed to be a little more setup with him and Alora because it did feel like it was a little rushed. Um, I get now with the ending is that they wanted to pull at the heartstrings, but I, I wish that that had been set up a little more, because it, it seems like, okay, she has this thing with Lotor, and then that gets, like, torn up, and then, like, you know, a week later, it's, like, her and Lance, and it's kind of like, what? <laughs> you know, it just seemed a little, a little quick, um, but, uh, yeah. And I like that. I like that they made him really sympathetic with the whole Lotor thing because it's not like he ever went into one of those like, you know, pissing matches with Lotor where it's like I'm, you know, bigger, better person for her than you are. He just kind of like retreated from it, right? Yeah, he was jealous, but he wasn't trying to interfere. Right, exactly. So you know, I I liked that as well. I like that he developed a, a friendship with the mice. Yep. Side <laughs> quality is mice. <laughs> so I thought that was cool. Um, and so, yeah, I think that Lance developed a lot as a character because he was kind of all bluster in the beginning, but they, they made him a much more thoughtful uh, person as he progressed, and I really liked that progression. And he also started off, like, lusting after anything with a pair of legs. Right. No, I know. And then <laughs> as, as things went on... He was like, no, Alora's the one for me. Mm -hmm. And and he stuck with it. Mm -hmm. And he never deviated. Yeah. It was really awesome. Um, so Eric, did we take the one you wanted to say as a runner up or do you have is your runner up still uh still there? No, no, it's still there. Okay, good. Who's <laughs> uh, your runner up? Uh Sven. <laughs> do you mean Shiro or alternate universe Sven? Sven. <laughs> From one from one episode, and then he was clipped down in the prime of his life. <laughs> that was a hilarious in joke. I do wonder what people who never saw the original Voltron thought about that because it's so random for Shiro to show up, be called Sven, and have that ridiculous accent. You know, <laughs> it's just like what? <laughs> and die. Yeah. Although, while you were talking about uh, Lance, uh, 
reminded me of kind of like a kindred spirit to Lance. Um, Simon Belmont from <laughs> Captain N and Lance I'm, are the same person. I love Simon Belmont from Captain N. <laughs> Easily my favorite character on that show. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but okay, so so yeah, what, what's another paladin you'd like to, to pick to talk about, Eric? Uh you know, I was really impressed with Pidge yeah. throughout the entire series. You know, like, uh, you know, like they pulled the whole, you know, I'm really a girl thing in the first series in, in the first season, and they were really cool about that. You know, like mm-hmm. literally everybody but Lance was <laughs> like, uh, yeah, sure, whatever, it doesn't matter. And then Lance is the only one who really made a big deal about it, and like. I think that also goes to show how like we're kind of growing as a people mm-hmm. that you know something like that is so accepted to the point where it's just like yeah whatever yeah and uh, you know like all the cool things that Pidge came up with all the cool ideas and like I just really enjoyed her character mm-hmm. and. Uh, at the beginning, I was a little worried because they took Allura out as a paladin, and I'm like, "Oh, it's an all male team, you know." Yeah. You got to mix that up a little bit, and then they're all like, "Oh, Pidge is a girl," and awesome, cool. And then later, that whole thing with uh, apparently Shiro was gay. Yeah. And, and you know, a lot of people were freaking out uh, uh, online about that, and I'm like so what <laughs> yeah. you know like it doesn't affect his character at all yep. but it's kind of cool that you can get that representation in there and you know like here's this awesome badass character who's the leader of vehicle Voltron huh. and you know like as detrimental as that is <laughs> uh, you know he, him being gay doesn't detract from from him as a character Mm. And you know, I don't know. I just thought that was cool. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Pidge, Pidge was was really cool. It was a nice subversion of expectations. Um, and the fact of the matter is, like you said, it doesn't really matter um, at all. And uh, so, Buff, Pidge, love Pidge. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's cool. Smartest person in the room. Right. (laughs) I I do think it was a little bogus that both the father and the brother were still alive. I felt like at least one of them should have been dead. And I was like, seriously, after all this time and being in Galra space and everything, they're both alive? Uh, Okay. (laughs) But, yeah. And not obviously traitors? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, 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 that was one of the things where I felt like they went a little too far into mega happy ending territory where I would have liked this show to have been a little bit grittier and for there to have been a little more consequence for the good guys to, you know, propel them forward. But, uh, like yeah. I expected Lance's sister to die. Hmm. I expected the brother to be dead. That Pidge's brother. I like like when when they when she found her father. I was like, okay, yeah. So it's gonna be the father is alive because he's a scientist, and the Galra wanted to use that. But the brother's gonna be dead. And so when they do the whole thing where she's looking for the brother and she comes to a grave, I'm like, that's it. That's that's you know that's the brother's dead. 
and no, but then it was like that was just misdirection, and the brother is alive, and because I don't really feel like Matt served a real purpose in the show. Other than yay, you know, I mean, yeah, Matt was there with some of the different resistance things and stuff, but he didn't need to be there. Like he didn't do anything essential to the storyline, and so I felt like it was just kind of like, uh, you know, again that they wanted to do the mega happy ending. Um, and I, I, it was fine. I just felt like it would have been better if they had had a little more consequences. It's a war. People die in war. Um, well, they, they had to have a character that was just an objective to obtain, and they relegated that to Matt. <laughs> okay. He got to be the damsel in distress. I, I guess. <laughs> um,. I mean, we already had the whole search for the dad. I felt like that kind of served that also. But, I mean, he did have a purpose after that. So, yeah. Um, so, uh, Beth, you got two more choices of paladins. Who else do you want to talk about? Dang it, who's left? <laughs> Alora or Shiro? Okay, let's go with Alora. I figured. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Take it away, Eric. <laughs> ah, uh, seriously? You can't say anything about Alora? Uh, okay, let's go with Shiro. That stupid arm! Ah, 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 I hated ah, looking at his arm. Yeah, the robot, once he got the uh, the second arm that's detached, like, oh, I hated the visual on that, and, and <laughs> you did too, but... I'm sorry, Alora. <laughs> I'll get to you in a minute, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I thought that that visual was ridiculous. I mean, they had already had it on the Gara dude, and I just hate that. It's like this arm that's like not connected in any way, and yet it just magically like works and knows where to be and do. It's I, magically delicious. Yeah, I just, mm, yeah. And but he can win arm wrestling contests with <laughs> it. Oh, but at least it was the same arm versus the same arm, so it was right. okay. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how do you get leverage with that arm? Because you it's don't. not attached. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so yeah. Do you, uh, so are you going to say anything actually about Shiro? I I knew immediately that he that when he came back that he was a clone. And I can't believe that you didn't. I swear that you must have known with me and then you just like forgot it. It must have fallen out of your ear as you slept. But I, I thought that he was like a, it was like the Winter Soldier thing where they had just programmed him. In fact, the thing that I really thought, the whole idea that I had, and this is where I think the show went wrong, is because Zarkon was gone at the same time, I thought they had downloaded Zarkon's personality into Shiro's body. I, I got the whole thing of maybe Shiro's mind was in the Black Lion. Because it was explaining why the weird was weirdness with the Black Lion, but I was like, "This is Zarkon in Shiro's body to regain control of the Black Lion," and I thought that would have been a much more interesting way to go with that story than what they did end up doing with it. But anyway, I'm sorry for for interrupting you. That's okay, because I forgot last my train of thought. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you were just berating me for not knowing that it was a clone. Okay, because when when he woke up, uh, the the guy who was hovering above him said Project something, but I heard the the hard C sound, and I was like, oh, he's a clone, because you know why not? Mm. 
and it was an easy escape for him to get out. It very much mirrored. Oh his no, I knew escape. I knew that, that it was some plan by the Galra. I just didn't think he needed to be a clone. I thought he could have been either brainwashed or like be actually Zarkon in Shiro's body. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was I but yeah, I know I knew it was all a setup by the Galra and that they had like planted Shiro there. What I didn't get was why the Black Lion like responded to Shiro unless it was Zarkon. And that's the thing I kept saying. Because, like, if he was just brainwashed, the Black Lion wouldn't have responded to him because it's he, he didn't have the right mindset anymore. But it was like, so I was like, oh, maybe it's Zarkon because it, it does follow Zarkon. But, um, but no, it, it, it was neither one. It was See, just I the figured, clone. I didn't realize that his consciousness was in the red, the Black Lion. I figured that it was because the Black Lion knew that Shiro wanted Keith to follow in his footsteps as leader. Mm-hmm. But the Black Lion also knew at the time that Keith wasn't there and they needed to form Voltron in that battle because the other paladins were in desperate need of help. And so he was like, okay, fine. You can pilot me because they're going to die otherwise. So mm-hmm. go. Just go. And when they did their whole, like, you know, magical friendship Voltron power thing, when they had the gravity stuff, and Shiro appeared to Lance and was like, Lance, I've got to warn you, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that was just even more obvious that 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 was, a, you know, not the Shiro that they had with them. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, Shiro, Shiro was... <sighs> Shiro was boring. I mean, honestly. <laughs> there wasn't That's, much going on with him at all. Right. And I I, I felt like when they were able to take the clone body and download him from the Black Lion into the clone body, like, Shiro's whole thing went off into left field. Because to me, it's like, Shiro should have died. Like, you know, there, there was no real point to continue his life in the show, other than, again, for a mega happy ending. Um, it's like, yeah, you could say, like, he lives on within the Black Lion or whatever, but that just seemed, like, way too convenient. That it's like, oh, we have a convenient new Shiro body. <laughs> Let's just use this. It felt like he was such a blank slate that his hair slowly started to agree with him. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I know, but because basically what they ended up doing plot-wise is just switch him and Alora. Because whereas Alora used to be the one in the castle and they went out in the lions, then Heihei became the one in the Atlas spaceship, which was basically the replacement for the castle, while they go out in the lions. So, it net, you know, there was no net loss. It was just kind of a, just a shell game of, okay, we switch one for the other. And, and again, I just felt like it would have been better if there had been some tragedy or consequence, some loss for the team. Um, so... Yeah. Um, but anyway, <laughs> do, do you disagree, Beth? Because you're giving a look. No, because you said the word Atlas, and I'm already going there. But now we're going to talk about Alora. Go, go, go Eric. <laughs> well, actually, Alora should be mine since you okay, took you took Shiro's. But I, I ended up talking more about Shiro. Uh, Alora. Um. Um. You know, uh, I liked Alora. I mean, she was fine, and I felt like part of the problem with the last season was when she accepts in, like, the negative quintessence creature. <gasps> and again, there's, like, no consequence, because it's like, this is the thing that turned uh, Zarkon and 
um, whatever her name, Minerva, Unerva, whatever, Unerva, into evil quintessence sucking creatures was once they were infected with those negative quintessence creatures. And I'm like, so Alora should have started turning like dark or evil or whatever, but it's just kind of like, she has it, everyone warns her, this is a bad thing you're doing, and then in the end, it, there's like no like real consequence for her. She never turns evil, she makes a few decisions that are almost maybe questionable, but then it's all kind of like, ah, oh, it all worked out, so it's okay. It's so pure and good. <laughs> I know, and so again, I just felt like the story just... The power of love and happiness conquers <laughs> I all. I, um... You know, I mean, but otherwise, I mean, it was it was, it was was nice. I mean, they did make her multi-layered because she wasn't just, like, a pure person because she did have a little bit of that racism. She never, like, except, like, even with the, um... The, uh, Blade of Amora or with Keith or whatever, she just was always like, all gore are evil, you know, and had to, like, sort of work past that. Um... You know, I mean, they, they did at least try to do the thing of, you know, she gets close to Lotor, and then she's shocked and horrified when she finds out, you know, what he's really like. Um, well, yeah, all Galra are evil, unless they're right. hot and princely. <laughs> um, but I like that that wasn't one-sided like it was in the old Voltron cartoon, where it was all like Lotor, like, yes, I must have the princess, and she was just always like, ew, get away from me! Whereas in this, it's actually like she's kind of like, hey, hubba hubba, you know? <laughs> so, you know, they made it a little more nuanced there. And, uh, and so there was a lot more of, like, a, a feeling of betrayal, and so um, I thought that that made it a lot more interesting. <laughs> A field of betrayal that literally everybody right. saw coming from, from like the outer reaches right. of space. Like, this is not a good person. <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah. It was just weird though because he he played the part so well. It was just like trying to find like what was, you know, what was the the thing that we, you know, I mean, where was he going to turn? And what was he trying to do? And so I like that they kind of, like, hid that for a while. Yeah, Laura, I mean, she's... I didn't really find her to have a lot of depth, but, you know, she was definitely not the damsel in distress that the princess and the original Voltron ended up being so many times. Because even though she piloted a lion, it was usually, like, kidnap plots or whatever. Of, oh, you know, Lotor has captured the princess, and now we've got to rescue her. And then once we rescue her, we can form Voltron. And, you know. So many props into actually making Allura quasi earn the right to ride her lion. Yeah. Not just, oh, here, you can be the blue lion pilot. There you go. Have fun. <laughs> Sven's dead. We need another pilot. So there you go. <laughs> Why must you torment me? <laughs> oh, man. I I, uh, I probably mentioned this the last time we did a Voltron episode, but I actually went back and watched, like, the first, I don't know, six or seven episodes of Voltron, the original Voltron, uh, years ago, before there was a Legendary Defender. And, oh, my God, that Sven voice was so awful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was. And how uh, the show was uh, kind of mm. censored. Like, oh no, Sven didn't die. He was right. injured. And they kept inserting the same, like, four frame animation yeah. loop in various episodes. Yeah. 
it was like uh, the old DBZ thing of they've been sent to the next dimension. <laughs> they weren't vaporized. They're just in another dimension. <laughs> okay. All right. Whatever, guys. But yeah, I wanted to bring this up for uh, for Shiro, but uh, kind of a fun little fact: uh, the voice actor for Shiro, uh, Josh Keaton was the voice for young Hercules in the Hercules movie. Oh, okay. The Disney one. Cool. I yeah. thought that was cool. Granted, that's probably the most interesting thing about the character. <laughs> but... Oh, poor Shiro. But, well, well, like, you said that he was boring, and, I like, like I wouldn't flat out say that he was boring, but he is definitely the least interesting. Well, and that's the thing. He is very much the traditional commander-type character. Yeah, he's like Leonardo. <laughs> but Leonardo at least had you the know, most like, interesting weapon. <laughs> by interesting, you mean the only yeah. useful one? <laughs> but, but, but yeah, like you look at, you know, his character sheet, for lack of a better term, and his only defining character trait is right. leader. Well, and that was the joke in the D&D episode with him always going with Paladin as his character, <laughs> was that he's so boring in one note. He would always pick the same class. You know, he can't, like, vary himself and, like, you know, actually, like, do something, like, interesting. It's always like, I'm a paladin, so I'm going to play a paladin. Well, to be fair, that was Clone Shiro. Uh, well, but I think that at that point, he was acting the way that normal Shiro would have, so. Uh, yep, yeah, yep, but we're going to get to that episode, though. I don't want to dive into that yet, because we're going to talk favorite <sighs> episodes. But I'm just saying, that's just an indication of, I think even the writers were like, that's how one note Shiro is, that, you know, he he's always going to be a paladin, because that's what he is in real life. Yep. So, uh, let's talk about some of the side characters. Um, so, Eric, do you have any of the side characters other than Sven <laughs> that uh, that you that you like a lot? Uh, well, like I definitely have a favorite villain, but uh, as for like side characters, uh, not really. I mean, like most of them were just were like background characters for me. And, like, none of them really specifically stand out. Okay. Um, Beth, what about you? Did you like any of the side characters? I like the wolf. Oh, yes! <laughs> yes! The wolf! I guess they unofficially Cosmo. named Cosmo. Uh, yeah. I like that Keith, though, just wanted to name it Wolf. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't have a name. They <laughs> just like, he's Cosmo! Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm just gonna call him Wolf. Yeah. Okay. So why do you like Cosmo? <laughs> well, he's multifunctional. I mean, I'll just... I just love the idea of him just rescuing this wolf while they're on the... Ugh, God, I can't even remember the terminology of, of this stuff. Well, yeah, don't worry about the name of that place. Because, yeah, I don't remember the name of that region of space either. They, it had a name, but that's but not But it took, important. like, three years to get from point A to point B, where it should have taken, like, minutes. But he rescues the wolf as a puppy from from certain death and the puppy's like I will be your slave forever <laughs> you know? so he, he raises it, he bonded with yeah, it it I, wasn't a slave I know <laughs> I am in your debt so he he's, he just domesticates him basically mm -hmm. and, and the, the, the wolf teleports yeah and it's amazing it's just amazing so like when this is after the castle of lions blows up 
and they they're trying to get to Earth, and they div- the, they've divided different characters between the different lines, <laughs> and they've done it so poorly. And Cosmo's the only one who realizes, okay, you guys have done this wrong. <laughs> this is who should be in which lion with which paladin flying it. And he goes back and forth, teleporting people to different places. Mm-hmm. And fixes all the problems. And then just curls up and goes to sleep. It's great. So is Calternaker your runner-up? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Stupid cow. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about the animal characters for my side character. I'm actually really surprised if you're with the if you're gonna go with animals, you didn't go with the mice. I'm really surprised because oh, you love mice so much. But uh, yeah, no, no, Cosmo was cool. It was a cool idea too because you know teleporting wolf is you know really awesome. And if I play a druid, that's what I want to be my animal companion. But. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know I can have a wolf, but can it be a teleporting wolf? (laughs) But, um, yeah, so... Visually, it was amazing. It it was like the night sky. Yeah, no, they... they, they, Yeah, it was cool, because it was like sort of a cosmic wolf, so they gave it like that cool coloring and everything, so, yeah, um... I feel kind of, I mean, for me, for, for, for side characters, there's a lot of them that I like, um... I do like Lance's sister, although I can't remember her name right now. I feel awful. Um, <laughs> She's a side character. It's okay. Right. I, I like Slav quite a bit. Um, but uh, I, I actually don't know how they got away with that accent, honestly. <laughs> but people aren't being like, that's offensive. But uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, I, the I think I'm going to go with Romel. Because Romel, I think like, there's the part where Hunk is like, I think it, and you say it. <laughs> <laughs> and that was so perfect, because it's like, she says all the things that, like, if you're, like, somebody who watches these shows, and they're like, oh, God, that's so stupid, she's the one saying it. So it was a lot of fun to have uh, Romel there, and um, so she's I like... She's the voice of the audience. You're right, she's the voice of the audience, so I And that's why our her. daughter liked Romel so much. <laughs> right. Because she's the one who, who basically is the robots from Mystery Science Theater 3000 sitting on our couch riffing all the shows that we watch. Yeah. And for the longest time, her avatar on her computer was a grumpy Ramel. Alright, so Eric, which which of the, our of our villains is your favorite? Uh, Hagar. Without, mm. without question. Okay. I, I feel that she was the most interesting and the most compelling and the most sympathetic of all of the villains. Now, do you mean Hagar or Anerva? Because to me, there's a bit of a difference. There, There is, and I do mean Anerva. I, I just couldn't remember her name off the top of the head, so okay. I went with the safe choice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, for the first few seasons, she's really not that interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's just, you know, powerful henchman number 12. Right. Who, no, who's I'd in every episode. One. But as you get further in the series, you know, like, uh, you, you know, like you, they, they start to explain what she's going through, what she's been through. And, and, uh, you know, I, it, it, it tugs on some heartstrings. But, you know, like, yeah, she's obviously evil, but you know, you can kind of see getting to where she is based on what she's gone through. Mm-hmm. You know, like 
you look at Zarkon and he's just been, you know, a, a dick for 10,000 years. And, you know, like even after you learn that he kind of went through the same thing that uh, Aner- Anerva did, mm-hmm. uh, like you're still not really sympathetic to him because, you know, he orchestrated all this stuff. And then, like, you look Zark or uh, Prince Lotor, and uh, like, oh, okay, yeah, he had a rough childhood, and you can, but oh, you know, he's he like he's trying to make things better. He wants to take the Galra in the right direction, quote unquote. And then he betrays everybody, and you're like, oh, well, saw that one coming, and you know, I can't really feel sympathetic for what he's going through, but. Uh, but, you know, the druid is, you know, she felt more real to me, like more of a person than than any other villain in the series. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, because she just wanted to, to start over and have a chance to be a mother because she missed out on that. And that's like, I know if that, if that had happened to me, I would have been devastated. Hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, definitely evil, but uh, you can you know like you can kind of empathize with her and be like oh okay this is how she got to that position and you know these are the goals that she's working for and these are goals that normal people would have you know she's not a evil for evil's sake kind of villain you know there's she she's complex yeah i don't know i mean i felt like a lot of the storylines in the in the show started getting strange um, around the time when uh, Zarkon shows back up and he's like encased in like that armor to keep him alive, and because it seems like you know in hindsight, like you know once her memories were brought back and she was like, oh, you know, like uh, I, I forgot that you know we were in love and all this other stuff. It's like she doesn't seem broken up when Zarkon dies at all. You know, even though this is after her memories have come back and she remembers who she is. And that's part of the reason why I thought that that, 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 that armor was just a prop. I was like, that's not really Zarkon. That's like some prop that they, that she has, like it's a puppet that, that's just standing in for the fact that, that Zarkon's actually Shiro right now. And, um... I don't know, I just, it just seemed weird to me. And then she doesn't really try all that hard. She does have that one conversation with Lotor where she's like, hey, you gotta listen to me, you know, I got my memories back now so we can be a family. And he's like, whatever, <laughs> and leaves, you know. I, I just didn't really feel and then, But then suddenly then in the last season, that's like her whole reason for being is I've got to reunite with my family. And it just didn't seem like the arc made a ton of sense to me. Um, yeah, like I, like I, I was pretty disappointed there at, at the end mm-hmm. because you know, like she's going from reality to reality to find the one reality that meets her, per, you know, like her parameters. Mm-hmm. And like she gets there, she finds Lotor, she finds uh, Zarkon, and she's all like, "Okay, I'm home. You know, I'm your wife, I'm your mother. Let's do this." And then they're they're like, "Nah, so." Okay, so she blows up everything. It's like she didn't even really try, which is why I mentioned before that... I think she did give a fair shot of it, but when Lotor rejected her, because he he could just tell that that this wasn't right, this was not his mother, she had evil inside of her. Either that or he could just say, hey, your face has got this, you know, red line thing going on, something's a little sketchy here. 
Right, and and you know, young Lotor was absolutely correct. You know, uh, she was not his mother. His mother had died. Mm. But she didn't even try to explain the situation. You know, like, uh, like, okay, I'm from a different reality, but you know, in my reality, this happened to you. In your reality, this happened to me. But you know, I came here, and we can make this work. Like she, like she didn't even try. No, I agree with that because I felt like, yeah, she could have said a lot, lot more to explain things to both Zarkon and Lotor of. You know, hey, like, we've both, like, had this horrible thing of you guys lost me, and I've lost you, so let's, yeah, let's try to, but yeah, it seemed a little, little bit rushed, but yeah, I mean, once, yeah, she I think she just wanted it to just click immediately. Right, and that's the thing, she started getting mad as soon as, like, Lotor even started having, like, any, like, doubt about I, it. I think the showrunners wanted to end the series. You know, mm. like, it, like, it would have been nice to see, like, an episode or two of of them trying you know like i could see something along the lines of like okay they're trying but then lotor does something that angers anerva and she lashes out and injures him or something and then there's a complete rejection or or something not just oh you're not my mom okay well death to everything beth do who would you like to talk about for a villain it doesn't have to be in the main family. We have other villains. Oh, gosh. If you want to talk about Keith's woman. <laughs> Actually, it's a very good one. I just have no idea what her name is. I think it's Aksha, isn't it? I mean, I really liked Aksha as a character. Uh, um, I think it's fascinating that they discovered her inside the belly of the Weblum. Yeah. Just kind of stuck there in a ship, like, oh, well, this is a fancy way that we find each other. Um... And then they just—I don't—I don't know how they recognized her as the one that they found. I honestly don't. I, Later, I, because she did—they—they they showed it as them recognizing her. Did they? Yes. Okay, because I remember there were comments like back and forth that eventually like made it clear that she had helped Keith several times or whatever, and so I was like, oh, that was the one. But but they they recognized yeah, her. They never saw the face. It was just an armored person. And when we're watching the episode, I never even clicked that it was a woman. Mm, so sure. I, I don't even know how that happened. But anyway, so it's it was really strange watching Aksha at, at first because you you wanted them you they you wanted them to pair her with Keith. <laughs> the, I, I didn't get my resolution in the comments at the end because I thought terrible. for sure that it was gonna be like Keith and Aksha, like, you know, like, like helped unite the Gaura or whatever. But no, like, it was just Keith and his mom. <laughs> oh, okay. right. well, thanks. <laughs> yeah, see, and Aksha... But she totally had the hots for Keith. Yeah, no, I know. Like, yeah, yeah. They, they, and it was clear, they clearly, you know, like, like, kind of, like, advertised that she, you know, wasn't, like, into, like, just doing evil for evil's sake. The one that I called foul on is when suddenly uh, Azor and Zethrid, like, are like, hey, yeah, we're gonna join the Voltron Coalition, too! And I'm just like, no, those yeah. two are evil. <laughs> you know, it's like, they're not, yeah. they're not like, oh, we're doing this because this is how I survive and I'm loyal to Lotor or whatever. It's like, those two like hurting people, you know? Like, they're sadistic. Yeah, especially Zethrid. It's right. like, Zethrid smash. Yeah. 
was, that's sad. Those two were sadistic. So yeah, I had a much harder time swallowing that they suddenly had a change, or that Azor had a change of heart. And then Zeth- I mean, because Zethrin only really converted over because Azor was with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, I guess you could say, well, Zethrin really is evil and sadistic, but she just wanted to be with Azor. But yeah, I had a hard time believing that Azor was suddenly, you know, like, hey, Voltron Coalition, woo! So, yeah. But Aksha was really cool because she obviously thought for herself, even from the very beginning, She, they, whenever mm-hmm. Lotor gave an order, she stopped, she thought about it before she did anything with that order. Yeah. And when she realized that Lotor wasn't what she, what she thought he was, she was like, okay, we're done. Mm-hmm. Let's get out of here. And she had no problem turning her back on Lotor. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just remembered that they had the double Zeta Gundam. <laughs> what? Remember when he gets the ships to combine together and form his robot? Oh, yeah. He pulled them in. Yeah, like the double Zeta. Yeah. <laughs> the he three ships that form a robot. <laughs> <sighs> oh, man. Um, so, yeah. I'm going to talk about Lotor. Um... I, I have mixed feelings about Lotor because I liked what they did with him in, uh, you know, up until he disappears into the quintessence. I, you know, because it was this whole idea of, um, you know, he was never really, like, liked by his parents. Like, they didn't have, like, the capability of loving him and everything and him having to survive in that sort of Galra environment where he's viewed as a half-breed. And so he learned to, like hide, like, and be deceptive and to, like, you know, uh, plan things out and make himself look to be, like, this great Galra when, in fact, he had all these other things going on. Um, I, um, but, but, I, I, I don't know how I feel about them doing the flashback and showing that really, like, in the past he really was a good guy and that he tried to, like, work with the people on the planet and, like, you know, like, let's all be, like, mutually beneficial and everything and then, like, Zarkon came in and destroyed it all. Because I felt like, I felt like Lotor shouldn't have been that altruistic. Like, everything about Lotor is amassing power for himself, but he has to do it deceptively. Like, I don't believe that he was just doing everything for the good of the Altaians, like he was telling them. <laughs> no, no, no. He, like, yeah, like he wasn't doing it for, for the betterment of the people that he was over. Right. Like, uh, he was doing what he did to get the most resources from them. Mm. You know, like, so what he was doing may have seemed like a good thing, but he wasn't doing it for them. He was doing it for himself. Yeah. And then his dad was all like, no, I don't care if you're getting 300% of your quota. You're gonna, you know, blow up this planet or I'm going to. Right. Yeah. Because we're cruel and sadistic just for the sake of being cruel and sadistic. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, so like a good uh, example, I guess, would be like Zarkon would be um, chaotic evil. You know, right. Evil for evil's sake. And and Lotor would be like neutral evil. Mm. You know. Yeah, or lawful evil. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, and 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 yeah, because like even with the thing with the Altaians, it's like he's like, okay, well, I was only taking the quintessence, you know, 
for now, but then, you know, once I get, like, another source, I don't need them anymore, and it's like, I never really bought, though, that it was all for the good of, like, you know, then, you know, the Altaians can have all the quintessence, and, you know, it'll be great, and it's like, I always believed that he just wanted it for himself, he was just saying that to Alora just to try and, like, excuse it, you know, like, uh, yeah, I, so I killed a bunch of Altaians to get all this quintessence, but, you know. But they survived in the first place because of me! Right, but, yeah, I, I don't think that he ever planned on repaying them, you know, and, and giving them all this new quintessence that he was getting. Yeah, because you uh, could never be like, oh, here's your family back. Right. But I don't know. Sorry I mean, maybe that. I'm doing it a bit of a service. But I thought that he was a great villain because of that, though. Like, he was not... Like, I always hate one-note villains where it's like, I'm bad, everybody knows I'm bad, and then, like... I kill my own people if they, like, don't do, like, ridiculous expectations that I set for them. Because then it's always, like, then nobody's ever going to want to work for you. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, so, like, you might, like, get people to, like, that you already have under your thumb to, like, rise above and beyond for you because of their fear. But, like, no one's going to, like, like, everyone's going to want to, like, run away from you and hide and stay away because nobody's going to want to work for you if they know that you just kill people randomly. Uh, so, I don't know. I just, I like somebody more like this that, like tries to like hide their evil intentions they try to at least show you why you know like hey if you help me that's helping yourself and stuff like that i just find that to be far more insidious like the guy in the arena he banished him to that right. outpost and then he later destroyed the outpost right <laughs> yes <laughs> but i also kind of feel that uh my view of lotor was kind of colored by the old series yeah so like as soon as he showed up i was you know just okay you're bad and i need to find out how how you're gonna prove it to everybody uh, you know like if i was not familiar with the original series i probably would have been surprised by his betrayal mm. but but knowing what i know of the source material it i there was definitely some prejudice there. Yeah, well, I felt like they, they, from very early on, like what Beth was talking about with where they showed, like, the guy he fought in the arena and how he, like, made it look good, but, like, you could tell that, you know, he was doing something, like, like bad with this guy, and then when he killed, you know, he killed the guy in a few episodes later, it was like... I feel like they kind of showed you up front that, like, this guy really is deceptive and bad, but we're not going to show you, like, give you any details on what his plan is for a long time. So you're just kind of, like, left wondering, like, what is he doing? You know, especially, like, the whole thing of, like, stealing from the Gaara, even though he was acting emperor of the Gaara, was just kind of like, what? You know, <laughs> like, what is, what is he doing? This doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, so, yeah. Um... Yeah, and Zarkon, I feel like, is the one-note villain. You know? I mean, he is that villain that I don't really care about much, yeah. because it's just like, I'm angry all the time, and I set unrealistic expectations, and I will kill you if you don't, you know, do it. You know? And it's kind of like, whatever. <laughs> you know? Well, that Gundam fight was dope, though. Yeah, the only thing that was interesting about him was finding out he was a former paladin. And then, like, when he was able to, like, mess with the Black Lion because of that. Um, right. Once you strip that away, he's just a one-note villain. So, um, so yeah. Um, favorite episodes. Monsters and Mana. <laughs> <laughs> that's 
it's mine. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> Why do you like monsters and mana, Beth? Um, even though it was technically a filler episode, you can't tell because you're having so much fun with it. And you can always judge the quality of um, a show by how they handled D&D. &D. <laughs> you know, the greatest American hero episode with D&D &D was a very good one. Yes. <laughs> was My Little Pony. <laughs> That's true. Yes, the My Little Pony episode. Although that one was Hasbro owns that, so they kind of have a vested interest. And that that was basically like, here's our half an hour commercial for D&D. &D. Yeah. <laughs> Since they own My Little Pony and D&D. &D. But um, anything else you want to say about that one? Uh, I love how they... I, I, I wish there was a follow-up because of how Koran was the DM and how he planned on the next session being mm. for his, like like who sent the bad guy and how, what was behind that guy and all that stuff. Well, no, that's why I said they need to do a spinoff series that just is Monsters and Mana <laughs> that's set in between, like, you know, some episodes of the Voltron series where you, so you can have the full cast, you can have Allura back, and you just basically do the Monsters and Mana sessions. And you could do like two, three, four, five seasons, whatever. <laughs> that would be amazing. I'd watch it. <laughs> I I absolutely adore the joke about, you know, rolling up the new character like right as the old one dies and it's basically the same person. You know, just from the gamers too. You know, from gamers Hide too. Behind the pile of dead bars. <laughs> right, but it was they did it in this too, which is hilarious. Oh, he and dropped an epic item. I I am now Giro, Shiro's twin brother, <laughs> and I've come to avenge him and finish his quest. <laughs> but yeah, it was a really good like showcase for like how fun a gaming session can be. They they fudged some of the classes because it wasn't actually D and D; it was some Altaian version. So like Hunk had some elements of being both a cleric and a wizard because he did healing, but then he also did some like wizardy type stuff. Um, and you know, but like Pidge is like the dwarf fighter, because you know, she's short. right? Because she's short. That was fun. <laughs> and Lance is the rogue, and Allura is the, the ranger. Did the log trick? Right? Yes, he did the log substitution. Yes. <laughs> Oh, God, I get so excited. <laughs> so, was anybody else surprised that Lance had no idea how a 20-sided dice was supposed to work? <laughs> D didn't he? He didn't know how a die, a die worked? I don't remember that. But they didn't uh, really understand okay. it. Um... No, I like that, and that's one of the few episodes where I actually like Karan, because, you know, um, I actually hate his character. <laughs> I find him incredibly annoying. Every NPC had the mustache. Right, yes. Um, the women. <laughs> wouldn't Mike have words to say about that? Well, like, wasn't Karan, like, his favorite character? Well, he's not no. here. So yeah, 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 you know, you're right, yeah, Mike, yeah, that was his favorite character, but... <laughs> No, I, I found Karan very annoying because I found him to be one of those very dumb, slapsticky characters. And while he had technical skill, so I guess that is kind of like what I was talking about with Lance of having skills. Like, Karan had the technical skills, but he was way too stupid and slapsticky, you know, most of the time. And I just, I didn't need that. <laughs> I... I uh, I mean, he didn't need to be as stiff and boring as the Koran from the original Voltron, but man, 
you know, like, could could he be serious, like, at all, ever? Um, I, I just, yeah. Uh, like an episode when he got the slippery. Oh, oh, that's the worst. Uh, it's the most annoying episode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hated that. I'm triggered. Yeah, although it did make me wonder about, like, Lance and Allura and if she ever got the slipperies. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> that would be kind of weird and awkward. Again. <laughs> anyway. Um. So Let's Eric, hope it's a male-only condition. <laughs> Did you have anything you wanted to say about monsters and mana, Eric? No, I think you guys pretty much covered it. No, I mean it was pretty funny that Shiro just basically <laughs> played himself over and over and over again. I'm thinking of playing another paladin <laughs> at the end. Shock! <laughs> yes, like you could be any class you want, any class. Yeah. Yeah, it was a pretty entertaining episode. And even the backstory he came up with for his character was like such a like typical like manga. It was even with manga artwork, and it was like such a like the, your teacher gets killed, and so you're going off to avenge his death. And I'm like, oh my god, this is like the like biggest like trope, <laughs> trope yeah, like Asian story trope thing of all time. And it's just like it's so funny because it's so boring and it's so. <laughs> Oh, but Eric, do you have a favorite episode? Oh, let's see. If I had to pick one, it would have to be the mall episode. <laughs> that was pretty good, fantastic. Yeah, good choice. <laughs> you know, like they go to that uh, junk shop and they find like the old video game system and Pidge really wants it, and, and, and then there's a cow, and the, uh, that... What was that mall cop's name? It was like a playoff of... Uh, yeah, Pope oh, Lord. God, it was... Oh. Farcon? Uh, yeah, no, I know what you're saying. It was, yeah, it was Paul Blart, mall cop, but it was, it was slightly different. And then, you know, like that entire sequence with uh, Repet Sal was hilarious. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know... Karan sneaking around and asking everybody where the black market is. Uh, much love for that episode. And the video game console that they got, it finally paid off. They finally found a way to hook it up and play it in the last season. Right. That was so good. <laughs> no, they've been playing it all along. Really? Yeah, because Lance, because remember they kept playing that RPG on it that like would show up every now and then, like in the background, where like oh. they were they were playing like some RPG game and yeah, they, they had a way of hooking it up. That. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, ah, oh, jeez, you took mine, Beth. So now Too I'm just bad. now I'm just now I'm just kind of like left adrift. Um, you, well. You can pick it again, and we can talk about it again. <laughs> um, I am disappointed that we never truly got Vehicle Voltron. I will say that. Um, um, although I, I, yeah, the Atlas. <laughs> oh. 
It's like, oh look, it's the White Ranger with his like one robot that's as big or bigger than the ones that five have to, you know, merge together to and form. And that's not even the worst part. Oh, Voltron, <laughs> you can merge with the Atlas! <laughs> no, that's just like the White Ranger. Like, eventually they figured Why? out that they can like all merge together into one Uber robot. Why? Why? <laughs> Although, like, the little shuttles that uh, deployed from Atlas really reminded me of the vehicle Voltron individual yeah. robots. No, no, I, yeah, no, I get that. Um, and, and whatever that fighter jet is that the uh, Atlas had to really reminded me of Valkyries. Mm. This is like, you know that they can transform. Why aren't they transforming <laughs> right. him? Yeah, I just thought that maybe when they were going through the alternate universes that they were going to stumble into the vehicle Voltron universe so we'd just see them for like a minute or something and then like they'd just move on. I thought that they might like do something like that just to give us like, uh, you know, hey, it, um, it, uh, it, you know, it works. Um, <sighs> I guess, and, and see, here's the thing. I'm not sure if this is actually my favorite next to Monsters and Mana, but it's a good one to talk about. Um, I'm going to talk about Blackout, which was the end of Season 2. And uh, that's the one where we get the huge battle. Uh, oh, the Gundam fight. Yes! Between uh, Epion, or whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah. Zarkon's uh, one, and... Uh, for those who don't know, Epion is the name of a mobile suit from the uh, from Gundam Wing, um, but it looks a lot like Zarkon's Robeast. Um and uh, and Voltron, and um, that was amazing. I mean, that whole episode was so good. Like, Alora has this cool fight with Hagar going on in the background, and the fight between uh, Voltron and Zarkon was awesome. And I just felt like. You know, everything about that episode just came together so well, and it felt like the logical culmination of the first two seasons. And and with Shiro, like, fading out Jedi style, you know, it actually seemed like maybe there was some consequence to everything. Little did I know that Shiro would be back. <laughs> Twice! So, <laughs> I, uh, I, I really liked that one. Yeah, but how they ended up getting that Bayard was straight up hacks. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. That was a little too easy. Um, but, uh, yeah. Um, so, we're going a little bit long on this one. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Either characters or... Uh, another episode you wanted to talk about, or just anything else about Legendary Defender. Um, so, Eric, we'll start with you. I am so, 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 so glad that there was no Stealth Voltron even hinted. <laughs> I thought for sure that, that that the thing that Zarkon was building was going to end up being Stealth Voltron, and, 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 and like I was like secretly mad at him. Because he was building this thing. I'm like, oh, you jerk. Don't you do it. Don't you. And then he didn't. And I was like, yes, no stealth Voltron. <laughs> and if people are wondering what we're talking about, go back to uh, my the original Voltron episode, which I think is episode 15, um, and and uh, check out Stealth Voltron. I, I even have a link to it in the show notes. 
because because Eric Eric feels so strongly about this that he sent me details because I had never heard of Stealth Ultron before. So <laughs> and then you looked it up and then you were disappointed. Right? Yeah, I'm not aware of any of the stuff in between the original Ultron series and this one. I know there have been several attempts at a revival and, and, so. and like all this time that they're going from different realities. You know, like that was uh-huh. kind of Stealth Voltron's thing. So, like, oh, okay. As, uh, so it was always like in the back of my mind, like, oh man, like they're gonna have to build Stealth Voltron in order to do this safely, and I hope they don't, and I hope they don't, and they didn't, and uh, and it just made the series so much better. <laughs> um. Okay. <laughs> Um, Beth, did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about with Voltron? I would like to give an honorable mention to the episode Black Paladins. Okay. And that is when um, Shiro, well, Clone Shiro and Keith are duking it out on a platform over another planet where the rest of the clones are. Um, and this is the, the version of Shiro who knows he's a clone. He's under a nervous control. And He's just trying to kill Keith, basically. Yeah. Um, he's gone cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Um, and it's it's visually beautiful. The The fight sequence is just... You're on your edge, the edge of your seat the whole time. And it's very emotional. It really pulls at your heartstrings. And there's... It shows a lot of the history between the two characters. Um, where... Shiro never gave up on Keith when he was younger on Earth. And so you get a little bit of that backstory and it comes full circle where Keith isn't giving up on Shiro. And it's just a wonderfully done episode and I just really appreciated that one. I really liked it. I think I was distracted in that episode by the fact that there was a whole factory full of Shiro's and I was like, why do they need so many Shiro's? Like, what is the point of this? What are they going to do with it? It made no sense. They only needed to make they only needed to make one Shiro to infiltrate the group. They didn't need to make a whole station full of Shiro's. Well, I guess you need to have a couple bodies on on hold in case the first one doesn't wake up right. Well, well, that also the Voltron team is so trusting that they could probably pull that plot off five or six times before he starts realizing (laughs) that there's something wrong. No, I'm the real Shiro. But there were literally dozens of Shiro's, at least, if not hundreds in that place like that is way too bad it just it's just like what is this and i am spartacus well that's why i felt like somewhere along the way the plot <laughs> changed or something for what was the purpose because of shiro because the clone shiro because i felt like they were going one direction and they went a completely different one so i don't know that and if you have the capability of making an unlimited number of shiros uh like What's the issue here? Like, why haven't you conquered everything by this point? Right. Uh, no, that would be interesting if they went kind of the route like that uh, Tom Cruise movie that I can't remember the name of, where like they like he was the guy who was sent up when the spaceship appeared in Earth's orbit, and the aliens took him, and then they just cloned him and sent was him. Was that to- the one where Tom Cruise was running? Uh, I'm sure there was some running in it, but like he finds Sorry, out later you. that he's just a clone of the original person who went up, and that they had been sent down to conquer the Earth, basically. Um, 
You know, he was he was brainwashed into thinking that they were like like um, moving the Earth or taking some of the resources to move to another planet or whatever. And but really, like no, they were straight up the invaders, and they had just used his face, you know, as the thing to like invade and like just made an army of him. It's like <laughs> so really, the Galra is just gonna be like, yeah, we're not gonna like risk our own people anymore. We're just gonna send like Shiro troops, you know, <laughs> into places. <laughs> Uh, although you think if they're cloning him, they could make his arm back. Huh. <laughs> oh, no, once he lost his arm, that's in the DNA. <laughs> yeah, the DNA just has no more information about that arm. It's gone. Yeah. I felt like... I felt like the progression didn't feel right. It felt... It felt too... I don't know, I don't know how, do I, how do I say this? It felt like the only way they could make things go bad for them was by having them skip forward in time, which they did. Um, so they were gone for a while. But it felt like it was too easy for them to like regain what they had lost and get back into place. I still felt like there should have been a lot more back and forth where like, okay, the Voltron Coalition's making some ground, you know, they're they're getting forward and then oh now they're being beaten back. But it seemed almost like it was just a linear progression of them just getting, you know, further and further and further and always succeeding. Um, and I would have liked, I would have liked the show to go on. I mean, it would have, it would have made me that the show went on longer. But I would have liked the, the various uh, Galra to have stayed alive longer. And I would have liked there to have been more back and forth on the show of, you know, they make gains, they have losses. They make gains, they have losses. And uh, to make it more of a war storyline. Um, and uh, you know, just just have a little bit more of that uh, grit to it. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean that's that's it. I mean I I certainly don't mind the show that we got. I just felt like it could have been a lot cooler. But at the same time, I get it that they're they're making an all ages kind of thing, and they don't want to like disturb like five year olds watching the show. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, you know, too much death would probably be a little too traumatizing, so it is what it is. But, you know, maybe one day we'll get like a live action version of Voltron where it can go a little bit darker, so who knows? The fact that they're able to pull this show off tells me that, um, you know, in the right hands, Voltron can be a lot more mature than that original show. Yep. <laughs> Oh, that original show. <laughs> and the funny thing is, like, I've talked to people who have seen, like, the original Japanese one, and they're like, no, this is one of the few times when the dub actually improved it. <laughs> like, like the original Japanese Voltron was awful. Like, like really, like, unwatchably bad. Um, uh, yeah, Beast King Go Lion did yeah. have its... Like, it had its good moments, but it was mostly terrible. Yeah. Which is funny, because, you know, most show like, like the ones that I've gone back and watched the original Japanese, that's better in, ja you know, Dragon Ball Z, so much better in Japanese. Oh, yeah. Uh, Robotech, if you go and watch Macross and Southern Cross and Mospito, which are the three shows that they combined to make Robotech, so much better in the original Japanese. Um, so, yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting to me that this is like the one show where it's like, oh no, they improved it. <laughs> Um, alright, so that's that's it for Voltron. Uh, I'm kind of sad that we're not gonna 
you know, get any more Voltron, at least not anytime soon, to talk about. Although, I really hope that if somebody at Netflix is listening to me, Monsters and Man- Mana, the series, it's, it. it's an idea. I'd watch, <laughs> I'd watch yeah. it, only if they uh, dispense with the micro seasons. Like, give me a proper full yeah. season that I can watch and get into, and not, like, half a season that I have to pine over. Yeah. Well, at least for the last two seasons, they went back to full seasons, so that that helped. But I think it was one of those things that they felt like releasing a few episodes more frequently was better than releasing a lot of episodes, but with a bigger space between them. But I, I think I disagree. I think I'd rather have the event of 13 episodes dropping than to have, you know, a few episodes more frequently. Um but oh well I don't know and maybe and maybe other people completely disagree but that's my feeling on it um so Eric why don't you say goodbye and let people know uh, where they can find you online well uh, I can be found on my YouTube channel uh Clan McCracken Gaming as well as my blog uh Clan McCracken Gaming dot WordPress dot com all right, and Beth, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you online? Uh, you can find me on Facebook and Etsy under the name Mrs. Whiskers Studios. That's two S's back to back because I have an alarming lack of foresight on naming myself. <laughs> um, and you'll see that I like mice really well because um, my little mascot is a mouse, so that whole, makes a whole lot of sense for you now. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much where I reside. So yeah, thanks for joining us. <laughs> well, you kind of stole my line because uh, Eric and Beth, thank you for joining us today. No problems. Anytime. <laughs> All right. And so that's a wrap on our Voltron episode. Was it worth the wait? You can let us know in a variety of different ways. One way is to go to our website at 42cast.com and leave a comment on any of the episodes, including this one. You can also email us at everything at 42cast.com. You can go to our Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast. Or you can go on our Twitter or Instagram and message us at 42Cast. You can also leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts or on Stitcher. With Apple Podcasts, the more reviews that we get, the more that we will show up on searches. So if you have an Apple account, we would definitely appreciate if you would leave us a review there. I also want to let you know about the ESO Network Patreon, where you can help all of the shows on the network. You can go to patreon.com slash ESO Network. You can look at the different tiers there. You can see what you get for those tiers. With some tiers, you get access to early episodes or exclusive episodes. With one tier, you even get access to a whole exclusive ESO Network podcast that you can only get through Patreon. So if you can contribute some funds, it does help us. We would appreciate it, and that would be a help. You can also find me in two other places. One is Time Streams, which is a podcast where my friend Juliet and I are going through all of Doctor Who from the beginning. You don't need to actually buy the episodes to watch with us because we explain everything important that happens in the episode. So if you just want to listen to our banter, you can do that. Or if you want to buy the episodes, or if you have the episodes already, you want to listen with us, you'll definitely get a little more out of it. But uh, yeah, that's Time Streams. If that sounds interesting, check it out. The other one is Legendary Forces, where Juliet and I, again, but also joined by Ashley, Joe, and Corey, are going through all of Star Wars fictional media from the beginning. 
we will review the media, we'll talk about how good it is, how interesting of a story it was, but we'll also talk about it in the context of the unfolding Star Wars narrative. So we'll sort of talk about the elements of the Star Wars storyline that get added, that get taken away when newer media takes place, sort of a discussion of canon and canonicity, and how the idea of Star Wars evolved over time. So if that sounds interesting to you, that is Legendary Forces, check that out. So in con news, it is just Chicago TARDIS for me for the rest of the year. Like I say, I'm going to check out Fan Expo probably next year again, although between Fan Expo and C2E2, I usually can only do one of those. So if C2E2 wows me with something, if they have a lineup of guests that is just like, oh my goodness, I cannot pass this up. I might go to C2E2 instead, but odds are I'll go to Fan Expo again and then do Chicago TARDIS again next year. But watch this space, I'll let you know. And if, by some miracle, I can go to Dragon Con next year, I'll also let you know that as well, because, of course, that's the big event, and that's where so many people go, and that I see, you know, either that are listeners or that are people that I have on the show. And so that is a great experience. So, again, watch this space. So that's a wrap for this week. Join us back next week when Willem Dafoe will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan, signing off. You have been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2021 got a question for the ultimate answer contact us at everything at 42 cast.com theme music is sharper swords by brandon ellis check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com the 42 cast is a proud member of the eso network This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.